welcome to the Talking to Ourselves podcast. I'm Omid Farhang, founder at Majority. Today we have the mother of all guest host editions. The host is Anselmo Ramos, co-founder and creative chairman of GUT, the blazing hot global independent creative network with offices around the world. Founded just four years ago, GUT has been an ad age A-list agency four years in a row. The agency's string of accolades culminated at this year's Cannes, where GUT won 35 Lions, becoming the number one independent network of the year, Latin America network of the year, and GUT Buenos Aires became both independent agency of the year and global agency of the year. GUT's staggering success as an indie shop has drawn comparisons only to Wyden Kennedy, which makes it all the more exciting that Anselmo's guest is Colleen DeCourcy, previously Chief Creative Officer and Co-President of Wyden Kennedy, now Chief Creative Officer of SNAP as of 2022. Under Colleen's leadership, Wyden Kennedy experienced unprecedented growth and produced a number of your favorite award-winning campaigns, including Nike's 2019 Dream Crazy and the You Can't Stop Us pandemic campaign. Colleen was honored as Adweek's Creative Leader of the Decade for the 2010s. In 2022, Can Lion gave Colleen the Lion of St. Mark, our industry's highest honor. Prepare for planets to collide. This is Anselmo Ramos and Colleen DeCourcy talking to themselves. Do we need to make any intro or we just like start chatting? The episode starts with me doing a, a gushing introduction of both of you. So okay. just, you know. No I'll, interest, just chat. Okay, yeah, perfect. I'll Let's take do care it. of the intros and, and you guys just, yeah, just do what humans normally do, you know. Can we we'll gush try. about how Anselmo's hair looks today? Can we gush about that? <laughs> <laughs> Colleen, it's just for you. It's a very special day for me. You know, I'm like, I need to make sure my hair looks good. You know, <laughs> it is sparkling today. Thank you. Thank oh, you. You oh, look oh, great, too. It's so nice to see you. Congrats so nice to see you. You've had an amazing year. We did. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're trying to follow your steps. You know, you were a oh, huge wow. inspiration, not only for us, a God, but for the whole industry. So we're just trying to follow your your lead. That's very kind. I think you're doing just fine out there on your own. It's, uh, it's It was amazing to watch when I saw it go down. I thought how how well deserved. Thank you so much. Okay, Colleen, should we should we start? Let's do this, right? Are you ready? I'm out of practice. This has been like a long time for me. I'm no longer the uh, roving CCO who has to do uh, press things. And I say no to everything uh, now. So, but it was you. And um, and I love you. So I was. Uh, it's nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. This is a very special um, moment for me. I'm a huge fan, and I have a lot of questions for you. I want to know everything. Okay. Oh my goodness. I, I want to know all your secrets. So I have a lot of questions. So I want to start asking about something that just happened. Can we talk about the? <laughs> The Snapchat, my AI thing. Was that like a marketing stunt or what's the meaning behind that wall? Come on. Yeah, no, it really was not a marketing stunt. Um, and, and, you know, AI is such a fantastic tool. If you, I look at AI as I look at uh, kind of any creative that I may encounter in a day. Um, sometimes it really gets it right. Sometimes it's like way off the mark and out to lunch, but it's always pretty lateral and pretty interesting. <laughs> and, um, and you kind of take the inputs uh, as they come. Um, 
while AI clearly is not a sentient being and my AI, which is our AI uh, at Snap, um, while we uh, had a lot of fun integrating it into the idea of our, our friend um, chats and, you know, someone you could call into a chat and ask a question or resolve a dispute or just like, you know, have a conversation with um, it. It's, it was never meant to be um, a really big factual. I mean, AI does a lot of things, right? It hallucinates. It it can only it can only use the information that it has at hand, um, and funny things happen with it. Uh, we are a, a, a really exploratory company. One of the things I love at Snap is just how innovation led we are. Um, we have a history of being very careful with technology that could be dangerous. And I think we've proven to be pretty prescient on that uh, topic. And um, I'm glad we're getting a moment where all the things that we, we did that made us not um, necessarily uh, the, the shooting star that some of the other platforms were in the early days um, is now kind of proving out. But AI is something that we do have a lot of fun playing with and um, truly um that was a combination of an AI and uh, a, a human error mistake uh, experiment playfulness. What I loved so much is that you couldn't have done anything better <laughs> in that. You know, there's a whole thing on Snapchat about streaks. And when yep. you do a streak, you take a picture of the corner of your forehead or just of the room. Like it doesn't matter what it is. It just has to, you know, and um, uh, saw the, uh, the my AI thing drop and just immediately thought, wow, anything to keep up a streak, uh, even even with my AI. Um, but I do love that um, the community grabbed it and saw it and was playful. I mean, it's very true to what happens on the platform. We're not a big um, politics, news and debate place. We're a, a human joy and goofiness. Um, so I, I really do love it. It was not intentional. Uh, clearly we knew within seconds what had happened and um, we never put it in a situation where it could cause harm, but it was pretty funny. And uh, I was delighted when the, the, um, the, you know, the community picked it up and started doing stuff with it. And there was even a moment where I was like, should we do something here with this? And then I thought, well, why would we falsify it? Like it already happened. It was so funny. And I don't now need to make a piece of marketing out of it. I just, Need to love it and let it be. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I, I, I love that. It was such a beautiful moment. I love what you said about, you know, may I, it was just a mistake. Like, a, you know, it's like a human, like a human would do. You know, I love what you said about AI is just like a creative. Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it really wrong. And that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. I love that. And maybe it was just may AI starting a streak. You know, yeah, I don't know. That's funny. Anything to keep up a streak. You know, the one thing that um, that I do find, because we've had to play a lot with AI. I mean, this whole journey into um, technology has been, has been a real learning curve for me, and fascinating. And um, I'm I'm really enjoying it because of the group of people that I'm doing it with. But the the whole idea of really understanding how technology works versus the first time I was very deep into digital technology in my career. And it's changed so much. And um, I find that um, AI is this wonderful thought starter because it is the aggregate of every thought that is traceable, right? Um, but creatives are the only ones that can actually make a leap that makes no sense. 
that to make a leap that like didn't start from a piece of information. I talk a lot about how, you know, creativity to me is, is, um, uh, joining, uh, connecting dots in a way that they haven't been connected mm-hmm. before. Uh, I find that when, uh, AI, like my AI, uh, yesterday, when it connects a dot in a way that doesn't make any sense, people are overjoyed. And yep. when you're asked actual questions and it doesn't have the answer, people are irate. And so I really embrace the um, connecting that are mistakes and overjoyed. And then uh, we really like to sit with our creatives and actually then have real ideas that aren't gener- that aren't aggregating someone else's idea, but, you know, reconnecting it in a way that's new. So I find it super useful. I do understand people's concerns and fears about like what it does to certain um, the automation of certain creative tasks. Um, I got to admit, some of them, I'm welcome the automation. <laughs> totally, <laughs> yes. So much. <laughs> yes. But yeah, fun tool. It's a fun tool. Have you been playing with it at all? We are using a lot. I think yeah, I think right. every agency is using it, right? Like ChatGPT, MidJourney. Uh, I yes. think it's just like an extra tool that we have now. And it's really cool. It's like you have... Every time you were coming up with ideas, you have one extra person in the room. It's ChatGPT. You know, it's just like a, it helps with the brainstorm. It's just a very knowledgeable, smart person. Not perfect, but, you know, and you choose when to use, when not to use. But I agree with you. I think it's not going to replace human creativity because, you know, you need to be stupid and you need to tell, like, you know, you need to say something that doesn't make any sense, you know, and that's great, right? So AI, I don't know, maybe one day they'll get to that point, but I think it's going to be a while. It's really interesting to see when you say you have to be stupid. Uh, I so wholeheartedly, uh, probably through necessity, had to embrace that thought in my life. But it was also a very um, fundamental, widened thing, right? To like walk in stupid every day to approach yes. a problem with you know, a fresh mind. Um, but, you know, in, in this transition, in, in, and we all talk about that as creatives, the stupidity. What a stupid idea. I love it. Oh, that's yep. my first stupid idea, you know. It, it, it really means a whole lot of other things, simplification and um, uh, fresh look and, uh, you know, unbiased eye. But you walk into a technology company and everybody's really freaking smart. And so uh, I was really surprised <laughs> because everyone's like coming up and talking to me and using it. And I'm like, um, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm paid to be stupid. And people <laughs> like, like what are you talking about it's like no no you really do want me to be stupid like we don't think we do (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing i I think there's a nice balance i think there's a nice balance of my stupidity and their smartness so (laughs) that's amazing um we'll come back to snap later i want to i want to ask you about your childhood how was how you know how was your childhood how was colleen as a as a young girl Oh man, we need to go straight to it, Anselmo. Yes, um, let's let's go. I mean, as a young girl, my childhood was mixed bag. I, I think that you probably find that that's not unusual in in um, in creative people. Um, I have a little bit of a theory that um, creative leaders, in particular, people who have had challenging situations in their life. Uh, often really rise. Um, and I think it's uh, about the ability to be able to think and work without a safety net um, that makes uh, people really thoughtful and dynamic leaders. 
And um, you're kind of trained to be able to <laughs> my therapist would tell you that my childhood uh, set me up to be able to operate in a slight state of fear most of the time. And um, it, uh, it turned out to be something that was really helpful. Uh, I do a lot of my best thinking on fear, actually. Um, uh, and I embraced it uh, as, a, as a way to prompt myself to try and do things, to dare myself. Um, I kind of have a tattoo that I've had for many, many years that says your faith needs to be greater than your fear. But the root of it, the propulsion, I love it. is the fear. And um, young Colleen was, she moved around a lot. Um, she had a, a, a very, very, very a child herself uh, as a mother, um, uh, absent uh, dad. Uh, and my creativity, I think, uh, my imagination is actually what I, what I still call it. My imagination um, was in full, full force. I was um, a nerdy kid. I was always um, sitting somewhere quietly with a book, always observing. Um, I had a very healthy um, fantasy life. I um, was, I loved spy books and I would pretend I was a spy. I made, I used to laminate myself a little spy card and carry it around in my back pocket as I'd bike all over town spying on people. I think I'd read I could see you as a spy. I could totally see you as a spy. <laughs> right? And yeah. so come from um, a creative family, though readers, big readers, books were important. And um, we didn't have a lot of guideposts of what I could and should be. And so I think that that allowed me to kind of follow this strange path. Um, I'm still a, a big introvert, um, which a lot of people say, but I think my introversion comes from, um, it's a lot of work to be around people all the time if you really are constantly uh, concerned with how other people are doing and feeling. Um, yep. And I think in my youth that that was about the safety thing in my adulthood. I think it has actually just really made me an intuitive person. Um, and at the end of the day, you're in my job is to figure out what will get a hook inside someone and make them think of something differently or change the behavior that they have or um, knock off a preconceived notion. And so I think that that, hypervigilance to the emotions of other people, again, served me well. Um, but yeah, I grew up, I wanted to be, more than anything, I wanted to be abducted by aliens. That was my my life wish. Um, well, I, I think we're getting, I think we're all getting closer to that moment. <laughs> right? I mean, I I, uh, I remember they had a speech competition and I was pretty quiet and shy, but I've been reading... Um, uh, uh, science fiction about childhoods and Arthur C. Clarke and I was obsessed and I did my whole speech yeah. on being picked up by aliens and um, you know ended up doing quite well and going through all the and it wasn't really because I was a great speech giver it was because like I so badly wanted to be picked up by aliens <laughs> that I was so passionate about the topic um, but yeah well, that, that could happen any kid. minute now you know it, it's get yeah it's apparently it's real so, so, so are, are you here for me now? Are you here to take me? No. Okay. The thing about aliens is it, I, I think that's so fascinating, right? Like, yeah. like I grew up, I grew up in a house where my dad was obsessed by aliens and my no mom, yeah. And my mom, she's a hardcore Christian, right? Oh. So it's all about Jesus. So oh, I grew up between aliens and Jesus. 
Okay, it's very confusing. Anyway, but 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 it explains a lot about you, actually. I think exactly is that 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 explains a lot, actually. So going back to your tattoo, because I think that's very interesting. Okay, I want to know more about the the two key words of your tattoo is faith and fear. Okay, so can you talk about what's faith for you, and, and and how do you deal with fear? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, faith to me is the um, unflagging belief that if you just keep going, things will be fine. Uh, that um, there is uh, a space in all people um, that is capable, uh, that is um, uh, better than possibly uh, what you see. Um, faith to me is uh, believing that if you make yourself vulnerable to another person, that they won't kill you. Uh, and um, that's the kind of faith I was, I was not a religious person, but um, the inexorable march towards growth and uh, an elevation of our spirit and who we are as people and what we're here to do in the world. That was what I chose to have faith in. And, um, Amazing. and in some instances, it's just like, just keep on going till you push through, push through, you'll push through, you will get there, you know? And so you pause your fear, your fear that you're not good enough or your fear that, um, you know, this is hard, uh, your fear that this could kill you, your fear that um, you're not liked or that this isn't the right thing to do or that this is so scary that it contains a lot of risk. Um, when that feeling hits you, I've really tried to train myself to make that the moment that something kicks in where I just push through. It's an indicator to me, a signal that you're close to something that matters. And um, I applied it to looking at work and I applied it to making choices in my life. Uh, and it's been useful. You can't stop moving if the next thing uh, is the thing you're trying to break through to. Love it, love it. I'm writing down everything you were saying. That it, it's it's incredible. I faith i agree with you i think faith is everything you know yeah. i always talk about the secret the book which is basically about faith about believing right you have to believe yes. if you don't believe what's the point and yes yeah and fear i don't know fear is just in most cases is just something in your mind you know because you're not you're yeah. not being chased by a lion that's real fear right so, yeah. but like most of the time it's just like overthinking it's just insecurity, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I will not stop breathing, even though I feel very terrified right now, right? It's that kind of thing, just convincing yourself to keep moving. Yeah. But I think faith has been a big part of your career because, I mean, talent, obviously, but a lot of people have talent, not as many as we all wish and hope, but like a lot yeah. of people have talent. And um, I remember talking to you very early when you were like about to go off and do that and, and you just had this ebullience there was like 
a, a push inside you. You were driven to do it and you were so optimistic about it. And I remember, I think yeah. Jerry nearby, I was there, a whole bunch of like old worn hands. They're like, that guy is so happy about this. He has no idea how hard it's going to be. And I thought, no, he does. He does. That's why he has so much faith. That's why the, you know, and I, I just really loved it. I was always very charmed by your um, faith in the future and um, the goodness to the industry. It's, it's, it's a nice voice to have in the mix. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you so much. I, yeah, I do believe that faith and belief is everything. Everything starts with that. Everything's a consequence of that. Because if you don't believe, no one else will. Like, yeah. you know, your team, like yes. your clients, everything starts yeah. with a strong belief. And you need to be a little, you need to be very optimistic. Otherwise, you you know, you just don't do it, right? But yeah, you thank know, you. It's really interesting to me right now. And it's something I, I, we've just kind of gone through as I'm building this team. Um, we know as um, creative industry leaders that uh that kind of faith that kind of belief in yourself and, and, and for a team comes out of uh, a, a close-knitness uh, out of a um a, us against the world a little bit right like mm -hmm. the, the propulsion that like um the hard things and the way you pull together as a team and the thing um that Wyden kennedy always had was that if you worked out at Wyden, it's because you bought in so fully to this idea that um, it was us against everything, not as in fighting everything, but like the mission was a group one. And so I always really try and build teams where uh, the common enemy is, is very clear uh, that, um, you know, that we know each other well, so well, we can complete our sentences that we, we go into battle together. And um, I recently discovered that's not really a super common Thing in real business, I'll call it with little air quotes in, in my hands, uh, you know, as people are like, that that team is very like insular. Um, they're so close. Everyone feels they can't get it. And it's like, oh God, the way you build an excellence center of delivery of creativity is very different than the way you build an excellence center of delivery of something like code, which is very flat and relies on a lot of people constantly looking and editing and checking and doing it's like this great leveler to get to function and the other one is a great unleveler to get to oh just us, 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 us. let's go let's go let's go and um it's uh i think belief plays i was thinking about how much belief almost irrational belief with so much of what dan wyden brought to that crew of people in portland oregon when the doors opened and there was no fucking way on God's earth. They were the top advertisers in the world. And yet um, you can tap any of those early settlers. I used to call them on the shoulder and they'll be like, yeah, we were the best. We were the best. We were the best. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you were because you decided you were. And then you became it and you cut out every single thing that disrupted that belief system for yourself. And then you did it. And I, I, uh, I think it's just really important. And um, sometimes I worry with the businessification of uh, it's why the holding companies were never really my jam. Uh, uh, I don't know how to be matrixed, uh, how to uh, cross functionally do all those things. It's like it's got to come from 
inside your soul. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's been it's been interesting uh, to see the difference and how big of a role faith plays in a creative career. That's beautiful to hear. I am a huge fan of writing. Of course, everyone is the whole industry. Um, for us, I got and many, many other agencies, you know, writing has always been the example of the industry of not only the, the quality of the work, but the consistency over time. It's incredible. Yes. The consistency, it's incredible. So let's talk about writing a little yeah, people bit. Move. People move, right? Like it's not the same yeah. people. It's no. like a, a river. The water keeps moving. And yet that yes. consistency, that, that in some ways is a belief system. It's and a belief system. Either. It's about it's about culture. The culture is very strong. So so let's talk about that. Let's start with Dan and David. How was working yeah. with Dan and and David? You know, I I uh, when I arrived, uh, I didn't work a lot with David, uh, but David was an ever present uh, mm -hmm. energy. He was always in the building. Um, he was the most unassuming. Um, he cared about the craft. Like he's the partner, you know, when we, you talk about like the chemistry of a creative partnership, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dan was lightning. And, uh, I think David was rain, you know, um, it was that combination. Nice. And so David was this gentleness. Um, I remember what, in my early days, it was my birthday and they were doing like cake up in the quad where, where I sat and um, somebody came up uh, and I see like David Kennedy shuffling along, you know, out of the elevator and he's like, it comes up and we hadn't really, Dan was the person who met and hired me and brought me in and uh, I didn't meet David till I started working there and he came over and uh, I all of a sudden just went red because there's David Kennedy. He's like, um, they brought me up here. Apparently, I'm your birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sir. You know, hi. And he just like he he was a consummate maker, tinkerer. Uh, he had a very funny um, over full office, uh, like the, you know, he's called the janitor closet, and yet such a strong, strong work ethic that flowed through the building because of his quiet, consistent presence. Um, he didn't care who the person was that he was talking to. He cared what they were doing and if they were good. Like he didn't care if they were senior is what I mean, or junior. He was just like, hey, what are you doing? Let me see. What's that? It was a, a beautiful... I think he was almost, and I hate to gender role things, but he was the maternal force through the company, I feel. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. And then, you know, Dan, I did. Uh, I didn't get to work um, beside Dan the way that someone like Hoffman or, I mean, like, mm -hmm. you know, people that grew up going to meetings with Dan and like being in the trenches with Dan. Dan truly was like, you know, running a global company uh, by the time I started. And um, it was, uh, I believe to this day that he already knew um, that his mind was starting to um, uh, escape him a little. 
Really? Uh, yeah, sure. Wow. He'd make jokes about it. Um, so I, I didn't work like on specifics with him. What he did was like he he taught me about leadership. Um, he was a dynamic. You know, people call Wyden a cult. I don't know if Wyden was a cult. I know that Dan had all the capability to be a cult leader. You know, he was uh, impossible to look away from if he was speaking. He was quick to anger and just as quick to get over it. Um, he had a strange kind of laissez-faire attitude towards discipline and authority that he imbued in the people that worked for him. Uh, there was a person who did not like being revered or revering people and yet never was. And I mean, he was so revered in that building and I think knew it and also did enjoy it, you know, um, never took advantage of it. What he was, was laser, 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 laser sharp intellectually. And he did not suffer fools. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he loved mistakes and he was fine with those. So he was kind of the paternal influence I found in the company. Um, dad is coming home. Don't <laughs> fuck up. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember um, really the, the last time probably that we had a really, really deep and important conversation about widening Kennedy from a very top level um, was probably like 2016, 2017. I keep thinking it was like mm -hmm. or either December of 2016. And uh, I'd been there three years at that point and a bunch of things were changing very quickly. And I had become what I called the designated survivor. Uh, I, I, I did not think I was going in to do the thing I ended up going in to do. And um, we were walking along a beach and we stopped and he looked at me and I said, whoa, Dan. And he looked at me with the kindest, most gentle eyes, but also an unflinching demand that I rise to the occasion. And he just said, this is no time for cowards, my dear. And wow. I was like, right. He said, you're a leader. You're a leader. And, and uh, in the hardest times I've had uh, that moment, I can remember the light. I remember exactly what his eyes, you know, like it was a seminal career moment. And it spoke to the fact that of all the things that he wanted for me, it was bravery that he was picking it was bravery that he was calling out for me. He knew he had the best creatives in the world. He knew that. And it was pretty clear to me at that point that what I was supposed to do was wrap what I was around that and just have the guts to do it. And um, that's the kind of, that's the kind, that's what it was like to work with Tim. <laughs> you know, okay. constantly be off a building and then told as you're leaving, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> That's amazing. I think um, it's funny that you mentioned cult. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that, like, you know, in April, we turned five, right? Yeah. I can't believe and that. 
five years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I cannot believe that myself. So we turned five, and then we Gaston and I we decided to take four hundred and fifty people to Buenos Aires. Okay, a crazy idea. So imagine <laughs> the logistics, right? But this is the kind of thing that only a indie shop could do. Yes. And and we did that for three days, right? So we had um, talks. We had like a, a soccer tournament. We had the gut band and all that. So I come back and I show my daughter a video, a recap video of the event. And um, my daughters, they are 20 and 16 now. So they have a lot of opinions. Grown-ups, so yeah. They, they watch, <laughs> yeah. So they watch the video and they go, Dad, uh, this is not an agency. This is a cult. cult. And, yeah. and then they go, please don't share this video with anyone. It's really embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I don't know if it's a cult or not. And then they said, oh, dad, you should watch the, you know, uh, how to be a cult leader on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, shit, you know, I don't know if it's a cult or not, but I, I think culture is everything. You yes. know, culture uh, is everything <laughs> because culture is, you attract talent, you retain talent, you attract clients, you know, everything's a consequence of that. And I think Widen has such a great culture. And yes. so, so what, what's the secret of that culture? What, what's the, what, like you mentioned that, you know, after four years, you know, still doing great work with different people, you know, what's the yeah. secret? Is it, is it independence? Is it, what, what is it? What's the role of independence in that culture? Oh my God, you, you cannot, you cannot overestimate how important, um, independence is. Uh, and I really, I mean, I spent, and I know you did too, uh, um, uh, many years in a holding company environment. Yeah, and with many me too. People, yeah. But I think we're really quite fantastic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. So talent alone, there are people I could look at at Shiat that I work beside who are as talented as people that I worked beside at Wyden. Um, so this this whole objective of getting like just the best talent um, isn't it. Um, I think there's a reason that cult is the first half of culture. Um, and I think that it's the belief system that knocks people out of socialized regular reactions and behaviors to things and allows them, uh, uh, gives them a different path, a different expression for whatever that thing is. And I think that was the key to why if you came in, honestly, if you came in and you were too smart, it, it wasn't helpful. If you came in, you know, what the, the, the mm. wine rules, right? Don't act big, no sharp stuff, follow directions, um, and shut up when someone else is talking. Like those were the fundamentals um, of reducing yourself to being the not most important thing uh, in the moment. Um, and that, you know, is a part of cult and culture. Uh, and was really important. And then it was a way of ordering the world that I really find whether you are looking to learn it or not, after a period of time at Widen, you walk out and it's in you. 
Mm-hmm. My my persona at Wyden was very much the outsider. Um, and so uh, I felt that it was very important that, that the alchemy of what was going to happen of my me uh, with this thing and the influence that you can have on it, the combination um, was what I was there to bring. Um, and then you had to not try and control anything. You had to take automatic, absolute responsibility for something and then not control it. And I think that's been really key uh, to the culture over time. There's a, a Dan, uh, I don't usually like drop Dan. I was actually made it a real thing. I didn't walk around dropping Dan quotes because it was just too easy, right? To be the babysitter. Uh, that, that like, you know, here's what your parents' rule would be. I mean, <laughs> I really wanted to, when I left, think I left something of my own, but it's, it's in the aftermath now. And I will say my favorite thing uh, that, that he ever did was he talked about the culture and he said, look, if you're, if you're, if you're driving for excellence, right. Let me suggest you tell your left brain to take a break now and then and give your right brain permission to let all hell break loose. If you want a creative organization capable of excellence, you have to allow disorder and you personally have to foster a relationship with anxiety and with unpredictability. He said, this shit ain't easy. The goal is not to march forward in lockstep harmony. Your charge is to continue the revolution. And it's always a bit messy. Loosen it up even more. Don't let the brand become polished and predictable. Excellence is not a formula. Excellence is the grand experiment. And then this for me was as a writer, the killer. It ain't mathematics. It's jazz. And 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 there is nothing that is more beautiful. Beautiful. Right? There's nothing that's more true to me of why the widened culture for over four decades, no matter who is in it, manages, even when it loses its step for a minute, it manages to find the step again because that way of seeing the world you're indoctrinated into that way of seeing the world and i i used to really hate when i got there i'd feel like oh that person was really good why aren't they here anymore oh they weren't a cultural fit and i think well that's the worst phrase i've ever heard don't we want people that aren't like don't we want different don't we want and it took me so long to figure out that all that was meant by that was that they couldn't be a mathematician. They had to be a jazz musician and and comfortable in their anxiety, in their own neuroses and use it as their power. That's the culture. And so you can't proper that up. You can't, there were clients we just couldn't work with because it just would have never worked. It was like they would speak a language and we would speak a language. And and yeah, so that, that, that in itself and, um, Never going for the awards when you hire, always going for um, one piece in a book that just took your breath away um, and looking at what people would add to the system. Uh, the stars at Widening and Kennedy were never treated as stars. If you were a star at Widening, you were probably punished more than anybody, right? Um, it, it was uh, like, uh, you know, speak to um, Alberto Ponte and, and mm-hmm. Ryan O'Rourke. Yeah. You know? um, uh, it's, it's, 
yeah, it, it's just about uh, the music of it. I, I can't, it's, it's almost impossible to articulate and you certainly can't brief someone on their way in. And in, in getting to that place where they can accept and operate in that dynamic, people either survive or they leave. It's I love it. I, I can see how that quote becomes a life philosophy that it stays with you. It doesn't matter. It's forever. You know, it stays with you. Um, yes. You know, yes. I got, we, we say, it's kind of like the same thing with the cultural fit. We say, well, the person's not gutsy enough or, you know, so we know exactly what we mean by that. It's yeah, very, no, it's very intangible. You know, it's very intangible. <laughs> we know what we mean. Oh yes. That person's super gutsy or not, but behind yeah. that word, there are like 10 things that we mean by that, you know? Um, and then I, yeah. to, just to full circle it back to the independence, first of all, to, to be able to feel comfortable in that, you have to have an independent spirit because you can't be looking to what's, what other people do. But I will just say all of that is predicated on the, the, the belief that you have nothing to lose. And um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, a holding company has a lot to lose. Um, what, if, 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 if you shut down got tomorrow, what would you lose? I mean, you know, peace of your heart. Uh, uh, some people would lose their jobs, but like everyone would survive and you would too. And you have to be ready always just to go, oh, that's not what I meant this to be. We're closing this. And yeah. um, uh, that's what independence gives you the ability to do. I love it. So... I want to get a little more technical now because I want everyone to learn a lot from you. Okay. Right now. How do okay. you, how do you come up with ideas? How do you identify this is a great idea and, and how do you sell them? So I'm being very technical now because I want to know, okay. Like what's your process when it comes to creativity, because we are in the creative business. How do you, find ideas how do you come up with ideas how do you select them how do you sell them i would love to learn from you yeah i mean wow i think everybody has their own way but um there are things you pick up uh for me personally it all it doesn't start from and you know i used to <laughs> there are very different kinds of thinkers like um Jerry Graff, I, the way his brain works, it just, um, it's very makes, weird. That's very weird. We all, we all agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes me so happy because I'll try and like, you know, and it's like, where the fuck is this shit coming from in your head? Like nobody knows little fountain that's always bubbling up lateral random. Like it's, I'm not that creative. You know, and so I always yeah. found it super intimidating and, and wondrous. You know, um, I, I look at someone like David Colbus, mm -hmm. totally different kind of creative. <laughs> also, weirdo, and, but like the most, I love that man. And he notices little intricacies in everyday life and he polishes them and polishes them and turns them into something big until it's an idea. And that's his process. I, I don't know if you'd say it if, if you asked him when I watched him, that's what I noticed when we worked together. Uh, for me, it's that I, I go straight into um, uh, what's the truth and what's the lie. Right. So like I just start writing down all the things that are true, 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 true. 
And then I turn a page and I write down all the things that are a lie about this thing that I'm trying to figure out. Lie, 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 lie. And uh, I start to um, uh, look at them beside each other. And I kind of try and map up when you can put a truth and a lie together in a way that makes my stomach, it's a, it's a weird way to explain the feeling. And I know that you and every other creative director know what I'm talking about. This thing happens and you go, oh, yeah. And stop thinking about that. I just can't. It opens a, a door in your brain uh, and the air is different. And that's when you have an idea. Um, and, and then you have to start kind of, you have to hold really loosely to that idea because, uh, the, the, the quickest thing I learned is when I think I have an idea and then I just start honing it right away. Like the idea is gone within minutes. It's, it's, it's perfected. Yep. It's weird. Uh, I, I, I often will like, give it to other people. Hey, I had this idea, blah, blah, blah. just a stupid idea. And you walk away and you always know who your people are. The people whose brain works like yours or the people whose brains are collaborative with yours, because those are the people that don't just go, that's a funny idea. But they're the people that come back to you three hours later and go, yeah, but here's the thing about that idea. And, 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 and it just, you know, it starts going. Yeah. Um, uh, then I start to honestly start to um, put visual images as I'm a writer. I don't start from a visual image. Like I know um, Susan, always started like she'd see something and pull it in, pull it over mm -hmm. into the conversation. For for me, it was later and we start to wrap pictures around it, uh, images. Um, I run a lot of dialogue in my head all the time. Like it's a little bit of a, I think it might be an anxiety device. You talk like, to yourself. Uh, yeah, but not necessarily like, um, I'll see people on the street and like, imagine what they're talking about. But the next thing you know, in my head, like, I'm having that conversation for them and I can play it all out what happens and where it goes. So um, for me, that's when, you know, you have an idea. We've been recently uh, playing around Eric Baldwin and I, Eric ran wide in Portland um, when I was running wide and Kennedy and he has joined me um, at snap and we are trying to, you know, we need a pretty disruptive idea uh, because it's a brand that's kind of lost some relevance and um uh, and it shouldn't and uh so we're trying to you know you can talk about what it is you can talk about all the things but you have to get to this place where you say something and that something makes someone else go fuck it's that like there has to be tension in it so for me that's how i look for good ideas and when you find the ideas with tension you know they're worth throwing your body at um Love it. Then for me, particularly, I am not, I love a presentation. I love the theater and the drama of a presentation. Um, I remember kind of a notorious pitch uh, with the wine crew, uh, Airbnb. And um, when we walked in for the last meeting, um, we had to shift gears really quickly at the last minute. And we'd all been up for three or four days. Uh, making new work myself, David Terry, Eric Baldwin. I mean, there was a whole crew of us that were just like, do or die on this account, right? We were going to make this happen. And um, it was, we walked in and it was against uh, everything um, that they'd asked us for. And our first slide was just um, 
uh, be careful. Uh, sometimes be yourself is the worst thing you can say to somebody because I said, look, should we even be coming back? And they said, just be yourself. Just you, you do what do, do you. Yeah. And uh, came in with a whole bunch of different things. And we had all these brand new scripts. Everyone was exhausted and tired. And um, as we were rehearsing outside the room to go into the room, I said, hey, let's do these scripts like it's a table read. Um, I want I want everybody to read like a line from the script. Like we're going to act the, like, let's do the scripts. Let's just fucking do it. And then people were really like, ah, oh, yeah. and then Eric's got his like, well, what was the direction that I would give my, I was like, no, just, just let's fucking, we're tired. We believe we're pretty sure we will not win. Let's just go in and like, let's the whole table, the media guy, the freaking project manager, we're all Love it. doing these scripts. And they were so delighted by our raw, like seeing how this work felt to us, putting them inside our head. And we sold and we won. And we sold something that was a hundred thousand percent the opposite of what they asked for and the strategy that they thought the company was on. And I swear to you, it's that we all sat there and we each picked up and read our scripts like our lives depended on them and, and, and nobody wanted to let down the person who wrote it and, and, <laughs> and so I do love theater in, in selling work but I also got to tell you I believe that the best work is made when you can take a CMO and a CCO and put their brains together and have them both feel safe to fail and to say things to each other so by the time my team walked into that room I had been going back and forth with Brian Chesky on like rant. Like I, I do early. Hey, random idea, man. This could be the stupidest fucking thing ever, but I had this thought. What about, and then I'll be like, yeah, or no. And if it's no, you can be sure most creatives would think, well, but if I had the work to back it up, he would have understood. If I had the stuff there, if we finished the script, if I had some boards, I could have sold that idea. I can tell you now, no, that is not true. You need to know what a person is able to buy, and then you need to move them incrementally along mm -hmm. the line until they get to where you want to sell. And that comes from partnership, and it comes from bread. I call it breadcrumbing. Boom. If you believe this, then you believe this, then you believe that, then you believe this. The best way to change someone's mind about someone, the best way to create a belief is with another belief. And yes. so... Uh, and so I, I breadcrumb the track of beliefs so that by the time my team walks in, that person already fundamentally shares our point of view. Then it's just, is this the exact work or not? And there's all kinds of room to find more work. Because I also believe if you're really good at what you do, if they don't fucking like that idea, we have 50,000 more. We just need a little time. Totally. Right. Yeah. So, so to me, that's the process of selling. I don't arrive on a plane with 72 boards and six girls and shimmering, shiny, con you know, outfits to go, and, and here we go. And you're going to buy when you see this. I know. Today. You never thought of that. And it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I know. You're going down. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah, I love it. It's a very, you know, personal uh, process. And it depends on the right. client. And it can change yes. according to the opportunity. Yeah, I love it. Yes. So, um, 
I I would love I would love to ask you three more questions if we have time. It's almost yes. eleven. Oh, can you wait, can I'll you stay for three, three more questions? questions? Yes. 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 Of course I can. Okay. Cool. So three more questions. I'm, 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 I'm trying to be tired. Somehow I can do anything I want. Apparently. No, no, I can't. I can't believe. I can't believe it has been an hour already. You know. I mean, I have so many questions. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to choose just three more. Three more. Um, okay. What about? Tell us about the change going from Whiting Kennedy to Snap. Right. So now you are, yeah. you know, client side. Yeah. What's the what's the biggest learning being at Snap as a company, client side, and what we can learn, you know, with yeah. your point of view being on the other side now? What can we learn, you know, with that, with, uh, you know, we are new position at Snap? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the one of the things... <laughs> One of the things I would say is that um, it's an interesting situation for me now because I'm the CCO and the CMO, uh, which means I'm my own client. And I never think that's a great idea. <laughs> are you are you a, a great client to yourself? Are you approving your own ideas? No, I'm a terrible client to myself uh, because, like, you know, I know too much. And so I guess that's what that's why I said that is is to get to this point, really, which is, I think... Um, I now realize all the thoughts that are deposited in our clients' heads, all the many, 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 many things that they are having to manage and deal with, the, the load balancing of need states of all the other execs around them and the business. Mm -hmm. The beauty of working with an agency and working with a creative partner is that they are walking in without those constraints and therefore really get to a non-compromised vision. But I think it's easy for us to forget that what our client has to go through to get to the place with us is an unpacking of all of those too many things that they know about the business and the fear that comes with that yep. of getting right, getting it wrong. And I don't think that we're, um, we're often really quick to write people up as, oh, they just don't get it. And it's like, no, they are too inculcated in the myriad mm -hmm. three-dimensional chess problems of their business. And so rather than um, uh, thwart them, challenge them, fight them, lead them, lead them out, lead, unpack it. Uh, that is something I've learned that I'm having to even do for myself. For the first time um, last week, I walked into a meeting and I almost did the thing that was the thing I hated more than anything from a client, which was a team was on just entering, explaining something to me that they got up. And I'd just been in an exec meeting where I knew that that was not, that, that could not work because there was a different problem they didn't know about. And I, I started to interrupt them to go, here's why that won't work. And I really had to like <gasps> pull yeah. myself back and sit in it. And, and also try and play with them with the idea, knowing there was no fucking way we could ever make it because I needed that team engaged and excited to get to the idea I knew I needed. Yep. And, and I just never realized just how hard that was uh, for, for the people that are on the other side of the work we make. I never realized how hard that was. Um, and then I will just balance it with... Um, even with knowing all the stuff now, when I can get all that shit out of my head, the truth is knowing all the stuff and not knowing all the stuff, you still get to the same answer if it's the right one. <laughs> yeah, so totally. 
that to really ignore sometimes and comes back to being stupid. All right. What, what's your next one? Love it. Next one is you won, you won the lie of San Mark. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's, that's like the ultimate award in our industry is a life achievement award. What, what changed after that? Or, you know, anything changed. I mean, how, how was the feeling, right? How was the feeling of getting that award? And what happened afterwards? Was there any change? No, there was no change. No change. Um, but there was a thing that happened that you can never replicate. Because I had a lot of mixed feelings about that award. Not the award itself. I think it's wonderful. And um, uh, and I think it's important um, that we mark time uh, by people who are able to stick their head up above enough to 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 have an impact on a moment in our industry. Yeah. And I think that um, uh, I think that the work that comes out of Widening Kennedy, we've just discussed why that is Widening Kennedy's work. I don't feel it belongs to any one person. And if anything, as you know, when you're running a global company everywhere, you don't get to make that work um, like you used to. Uh, so it wasn't about that for me in that instance. Now, when Susan got up this year, it was about the work. And for her, it should have been. Um, but what it was for me is I felt like there was a moment in time in the industry where there was a humanity and a humility and a care for the future that me getting that award was part of. I felt I was being recognized for being a leader, mm -hmm. um, not recognized for, you know, a body of Nike work. And um, it meant a lot to me. And it meant a lot to me to, to get up there and have people be excited about that. And for me, um, because it's very difficult at a place like Whiting Kennedy to separate yourself as a human from this thing that you've been given the care of and you subsume yourself and you, to be successful, you go in it and you swim in it and you almost make yourself invisible in order to pick all the rest of it up. And, um, I got up there and people applauded, which is like a feeling like we all think we know, but in that moment I was very vulnerable. I left. And um, I, and I was retiring and I wasn't sure what was next. And it, it put a capper for me. It put an end mark on my career in the industry. And I, and I feel like um, I was pr more proud to be recognized for leaving a moment than for being the creative director, uh, which I did not think would ever be true. And so that's how it changed me. And I've tried to carry that forward now in my life when I'm looking at what's the value I can add at Snap. Yeah, it's about making great work, sure. It's about getting people to change their minds, but it's also about like maybe teaching an org how to think more laterally and be more um, open to human laws and the beauty that comes out of that. I don't know. It was, it was a strange. I, it's funny. I did not expect you to ask this question. The whole line of St. Mark thing was a strange, surreal moment for me. And, um, and, and I was very grateful. Uh, uh, but I also don't think it changes my life at all or who I am. Um, just me. 
<laughs> I think I think you deserve that award so much. Uh, and um, I slightly disagree with you. I don't think it's only about Wyden. Yes, of course, you have the the Wyden, you know, work and history behind you. But it was about you, your leadership in the industry, the fact that you are so human and deeply care about creativity, but also the industry as a whole and everything that you've done for the industry, raising the glass ceiling and all that. So you deserve the award. Um, and so congratulations. It's amazing, right? Now, my last question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. My last question. Um, you know, I don't know how many people are, you know, listening to us right now, but, you know, you have an opportunity now to give a message to everyone listening. Okay. Probably a lot of young people. What's your message to young, you know, all the young creatives and young talent starting it like right now? you know, advertising, you know, what's your message for them? Uh, you know, I've been pretty consistent on this and I'm such a believer in it. Uh, your own unique point of view on the world is the single most important attribute that you bring to your work, your job, your career, your client, your unique way of seeing the world around you, if you can translate that into your work and if you work hard, you will be amazing. Stop trying to be someone. Stop trying to be someone else. Stop trying to be good at advertising. Take your point of view because it's either interesting or it's not. And if it's not, you've figured it out already and you're not in this industry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and learn the skills to make beautiful things out of that point of view, but it's always got to be a third the problem, a third the brand of the client you're working for, and a third you. And when you show up in the work, the work is uh, impossible to ignore. Oh God, I love that. The one third thing that it just said, I'm writing down things nonstop for the last <laughs> hour, but like this one third thing is so good. Love it. Colleen, Colleen has been incredible. I cannot believe it. You know, um, it's it has been an hour already. And I I I, 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 I had like 25 questions. I think I got to seven or eight, but it's fine. It was amazing. You know, I, I'll send you by email, like but you know, all my yes. questions. And it well, just I'm answer me. Exactly. Yeah. You answered me back. Thank you so much. That was so Incredible. I learned so much. Thank you. You're very inspiring. Well, maybe Thank we you. can flip the tables and I'll do you. We'll have to uh, talk to our leader over here. We'll talk to Omid. <laughs> we'll talk to Omid. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll reverse roles next time. Exactly. All right. Love you. <laughs> Thank you so okay. much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is what happens when planets collide. Thank you so much to Colleen. Thank you to Anselmo. Folks, if you're liking the pod, whether I'm hosting it or someone far more qualified like Anselmo is hosting it, please subscribe, rate, review, share it with a friend or colleague, get the word out. And until we talk again, peace.
let them clap for show. Let it rap, you resistance may trap unknowns. Release for your heart, speak ballads flowing.